to a Hope 103.2 podcast. The language of a second coming of Christ is slightly misleading because it implies that Jesus' return is like a follow-up visit. But from the perspective of the New Testament, the return of Jesus at the climax of history is actually his true coming. The historical ministry of Jesus between 5 BC and AD 30 was not the main feature at all. That was really the preview of the glorious arrival of the Messiah at the end. It was the advance notice of who the coming Messiah is and what he stands for. It's only when he arrives in universal glory that it can be said that the Messiah has truly come in the sense intended by the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. This perspective is everywhere in the New Testament once you know to look for it. Let me just give you one example. Here is the Apostle Peter preaching to a Jewish audience in Jerusalem shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection. I'm reading from Acts 3, verse 19. Listen to the way he describes Christ's future coming. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything. So in a very real sense, the Christ has not yet been sent. He's been glimpsed, yes. He's fulfilled the suffering prophecies, of course. But the real Messiah's work of restoring all things is still to come. Actually, the very word used to describe Jesus' return underlines this same point. Um, The word is not second coming at all. It's not even return. The word that appears throughout the New Testament is parousia, which simply means arrival or appearance or coming. Here are some examples, Matthew 24, 27. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming parousia of the Son of Man. Or James 5, 8. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming parousia is near. Or 1 Thessalonians 4, 15. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming parousia of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. It's no accident that this same word, parousia, was used outside the New Testament for an official visitation of the emperor. When an emperor appeared in a town with his massive entourage and all the appropriate pomp and ceremony, this visitation was called the parousia. The first Christians knew this well and made parousia, appearance or coming, the central term for the glorious arrival of Jesus upon the earth. It's probably in this context that we're to make sense of Paul's description in 1 Thessalonians 4 of heavenly shouting and trumpeting associated with Christ's parousia. This is the arrival of the true emperor come to collect his due and establish his kingdom. The point of all this is to say the coming of Jesus at the end of history is his true arrival. We have glimpsed his glory in his life, death and resurrection, 
But it's not until his parousia, his glorious appearance, that we will see the true extent of his majesty and mission. So what is the purpose of the parousia? What is the true emperor of the world coming to do? Well, in short, he's coming to overthrow evil and establish justice. It's no exaggeration to say that the fundamental job description of the Messiah in the Old Testament is to right the wrongs of the world. Consider Isaiah 11, one of the most important prophecies about the Messiah. Isaiah 11 verse 3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. In a sense, Jesus did slay his enemies with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. I mean, his teaching overturned all that is false and opposed to God. But this is only a glimpse of his work of overturning evil and establishing justice. The real work is yet to come, when according to Revelation 19 verse 21, evil will be destroyed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. Apocalyptic language again. Let me put it like this. The criteria of judgment was outlined in Jesus' earthly preaching. But the judgment itself which will bring all things into conformity with Jesus' teaching, is still to come. And that is what the parousia is all about. If the purpose of Christ's coming is to overthrow evil and establish a kingdom of righteousness, we find in this observation the key to living in advance of that kingdom. You see, one of the dominant themes associated with the parousia, or coming of Jesus, is the need for believers to live now in conformity to the reality of the future. Let me quote Jesus in Matthew 24, 42. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Paul reflects this very teaching of living now in advance of the future coming of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Just one last passage, because I really want you to see the connection between living now and the future coming of the Lord Jesus. Let me quote just one more passage, because I really want to emphasize this point of living now in the light of the future coming of the Lord. Romans 13, verse 10. Love 
does no harm to its neighbour. Therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. My point in quoting all these Bible passages is very simple. There is a new era coming with the arrival of Jesus the Messiah. And we are to live now in anticipation of that coming kingdom. In a very real sense, Christian living is future living. See, when Christ comes to overthrow injustice, all that will remain is peace, compassion and righteousness. Being awake and ready for that day means living by those realities now. It means letting the shape of the future determine the habits, thoughts and deeds of the present. Our lives are to be living anticipations of the glorious kingdom that will come when Jesus returns, when he appears in all majesty. Hope 103.2. Thanks for listening.